Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to open them uh, to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. That's not a book of the Bible we read out of very often. Uh, it's in your Old Testament, about a fourth of the way in. Um, after Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and you get First and Second Chronicles. It's kind of like history. It's history of stuff that's gone on in the church. But before we get to that, I'm going to talk to you about prophecy. Some of you are going to go, oh, good grief. What in the world are we talking about prophecy for? Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about Revelation. And somebody sent me this meme of a lady with her head sticking out the door this week that said, which book of the Revelation are we in this week? It looks like locusts and plagues and all kinds of crazy stuff happening. And uh, with what goes on, sometimes we go to the Bible and we look for prophecies to figure out, are those things that have been prophesied, are they happening right now? Are they taking place in our day and age right now? What I want to talk to us about today uh, is something that was said even before we have the book of the prof- books of the prophets that we have in our Old Testament. There are some things that God said to us that we need to live out. There are some promises that God made to us. In the Old Testament, they're called covenants. Uh, these kind of like, and they're not really contracts, it's agreements between people of what will be lived out. And uh, it helped me begin to think about what it means for us to look toward the future. The day that I took my daughter to college last month, Um, I was in Nashville, we're getting ready to take her to school, and I get an email from the president of the university. And I thought, oh great, we're here in Nashville, and he's telling us school's not going to happen, go home. Uh, That wasn't the case. Uh, He began to talk to us about questions parents were having. Uh, What's going to happen this fall? Um, How long are our kids going to be able to stay in school? When will our kids be sent home because of COVID? What's going to go on? What's going to happen? And he said, quite often we look at the future and we look at the future. I'm going to talk to you about two different words. The first word is prediction. Uh, We tend to think of the future in terms of prediction, right? We gather data. We want statistics. We want to do research. We talk to uh, people who are experts. Uh, We try and figure out as much as we can so that we can predict what's about to happen, right? Uh, Weathercasters do this every day. Yesterday, uh, during college football, there are people that prognosticate and guess who's going to win and by how many, and people place bets accordingly, right? And as people do all those things, the question becomes, who's going to be right and who's going to be wrong? That's the problem with prediction. In the world of predicting the future, you have winners and you have losers. Those who got it right And we praise them and we think they're awesome. And those who got it wrong, they're idiots and we shove them off to the side, right? That's what happens is there's only one or two things that can happen. I want to talk to you about the future in a different way. And uh, this is what the president of the university said. He said, what if we began to think about the future in terms of promise, promises that have been made? And he told a story about in 1973, he married his wife, Denise. And when they got married, it was not because they had made some sort of prediction about the future or that they were trying to make some sort of uh, uh, escape from reality and move into some better life with one another. And this was going to be so much better. And we predict that if we get married, this is going to happen. That's not what was going on. He said, we stood in front of a church and in front of God and all these people, and we made promises to one another. And we didn't know what all those promises entailed. We didn't know what was going to come our way, but we made these promises. And he said, over our uh, last 47 years of marriage, he said, we've had a number of different things, or yeah, a number of different things that have happened in our lives. He said, some of them have been good. Some of them have not been good. We couldn't predict all of those things, but we continued our life together based on the promises that we had made to one another. 
The same thing's true for us as believers. God makes promises to us. And he looks at us and he makes covenants, agreements with us. And as we begin to live in relationship with one another, what God says to us is, hey, uh, can you stay true to the promises as I'm staying true to the promises that I've made to you? What the future looks like has a lot to do with how you live in relationship with me. And so if there are some things that you do that I will bless and some things that you do that I won't bless. And so we begin to live in light of those promises. And so with that in mind, I'm going to ask if you would to stand. Uh, we're going to read uh, 2 Chronicles 7 verses 11 to 21. Okay, and there's a couple of times I'll stop and have you repeat a word with me, okay? You'll catch on to the word fairly quickly. Um, so Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command the grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. But then if my people say if. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore, or some of your versions will say heal, their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. As for you, if you faithfully, say if, if you faithfully follow me as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty. For I made this covenant with your father David when I said, one of your descendants will always rule over Israel. But if... Oh, I don't even have to say repeat. You just know it's coming, right? If your descendants abandon me and disobey the decrees and commands I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot the people from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by it will be appalled. They will ask, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I pray that you'd be with us this morning. Um, speak to us. Help us to hear you. We know that you've promised wherever two or three are gathered, you are there in our midst. So Holy Spirit, we ask that right where our feet touch the floor, whether it be in this building or at home or on the road, wherever we are right now, whoever's in earshot of these words that I'm speaking, that you would speak to us this morning, that we would hear from you, Lord. Lord, use this message. We pray that you would speak this morning, that it wouldn't be me, but your words. Father, all these things we ask and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So here's an interesting word, um, the word if. So I want you to read this one verse with me again. I want you to read the whole verse with me, okay? This is our key verse. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. 
Now, some of you say, Pastor Dale, this sounds like you're about to preach a hellfire brimstone sermon. You don't normally preach this kind. You're right. I normally don't. Uh, But there is this big word in there. There's a big word that I think is important for us. I want to ask you today a couple different times, which side of the if are you living on? Which side of this if are you living on? It's a very small word with a very big impact. If. If you follow me, this is what's going to happen. If you don't follow me, here's what's going to happen. Then he says this. If my people who are called by my name, who God is speaking to is you and me, okay? Those of us that are in this room, if you're a follower of Christ, if you call yourself Christian, we're called by his name. At the time this was written, he was writing to a people called Israel, okay? Israel, the ones who wrestle with God. That's what Israel means, okay? Israel is the wrestle part and El is the name of God. So the sense of the ones who wrestle with God, you're called by my name, you're my people, So I'm not saying this to everyone in the entire world. I'm talking to you specifically. Does God want everyone in the world to repent and come to him? Yes. But at this particular time, he's speaking to his people. Today, as Christians, those who are called by the name of Christ, this passage speaks to us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Humble themselves. That's not a very fun word. (laughs) Humility. That's not one we like. Um, as we went through uh, this 10 days of prayer and fasting that we're doing, uh, there was devotionals for every day. Um, I was anxious to see, as I, I sent an email out to some of the board and staff uh, to say, hey, who would like to do some of these? Pick which topic you would like. I was waiting to see who's going to pick humility, right? The big joke when we started off, I said, we're doing this one because we're the three most humble people we know. Um, there you go. A few of you got that joke. Um, humility, it's something we don't like very much. To realize, I I can't do this without you, God. I've messed up. To get down on our knees, that's the sign of humility. To realize I am in front of someone who is much higher than I am and better than I am, and I have messed up. To beg someone, to show humility, to humble themselves. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, we have prophets that come and speak to the people of Israel. They prophesy about what God's going to do, bad things, terrible things that are coming, if... They don't repent if they don't humble themselves. The crazy thing is, as we read through most of our Old Testament, there are very few times in Scripture where the people of God actually turn, where they actually say, oh, okay, we've messed up. You're right, Lord, we're so wrong. Until God sends a plague or something, they just tend to think, well, we're okay, we're fine. God, things seem to be okay, right? We tend to think if things are going well, we must be doing well. Then if things are going bad, that's the sign that we're doing things bad. And we need to turn and repent. Wouldn't it be amazing if we didn't do the things bad so we wouldn't have to have the bad stuff come? What if we just began to live the way God told us rather than waiting for a sign that we're doing bad? What if we just followed what he told us? To, to humble ourselves, though, and pray. Seek his face. One of, the, one of the places that we see people humble themselves and pray is in the book of Jonah, which is ironic. Jonah prophesies to the people of Nineveh. They are not God's people. He goes over to the Ninevites and says, you've been horrible. You're treating the people of Israel bad. If you don't repent, the God Yahweh is going to destroy you all. And the king and all of the people of Nineveh tear their clothes. They mourn. uh, They get down on their knees. They pray and ask God to forgive them. And so God doesn't bring his wrath. He doesn't bring his judgment. And you know what Jonah says? This is why I didn't want to come to Nineveh. Not because they're mean, not because they're angry, not because they're harsh, 
but because you're a loving God and you forgive them. I knew you were going to forgive them and I don't want those people forgiven. Isn't that ironic? One of the major books of the Bible is one where it talks about people that weren't God's people coming to him. Have you ever been around people that you don't think, well, they're not going to come to God. They're too bad. Realize you used to be those people. See what's happening here. If they'll humble themselves and pray, pray, seek my face. Praying is, is coming before God, admitting what I've done is wrong. Saying, God, I, I need you. Not, not just going to God and saying, hey, God, um, here's what I need today. I need some stuff. Give it to me. Humbling ourselves and coming before him is to admit, I cannot do this on my own. I need your help. Without you, I am nothing. And we seek his face. Seeking God's face is this. You've been searching for something. To search for it, to look for it, to look at God and to see his face is to begin to see what we aren't. Um, this next 10 days, we as a church have entered something called the return. It's a, it's a time of prayer and fasting. We started a couple days ago. If those of you that haven't jumped on board yet, if you're watching online, you haven't started yet, it's not too late. Um, we've got eight days left that we will be spending praying, seeking God, seeking repentance as his people. Um, the reason we're doing that is to hear from him. Um, I've been around some people who are so excited. Pastor, I'm so happy we're doing this return. Man, I'm so excited. God's going to bring revival. I'm going, are you idiots? I did not want this. Every time I sit down and get silent before God and say, God, point out in me what doesn't match up to you. Point out in me things that are going wrong. Point out in me things that you need to fix. People that I need to go ask their forgiveness. God, will you do that in me? You know what happens? He does. He actually does it. So I don't want to spend 10 days in prayer and repentance because that's not fun for me. People are going, woo, this could be great. I'm going, y'all aren't doing this right then. If you think this is great, you're not doing it right. Some of you are going, then why are you asking us to do it? Because God says he will bring awesome things about if we do that. But it takes us humbling ourselves and praying and seeking his face. Saying, God, search me. Know my heart. Point out what's wrong in me. Point out what's wrong in me and fix it. So remember that if, if my people, I'm going to ask you, which side of the if are you going to live on? Are you going to live on the side that obeys his if? Or are you going to live on the opposite side of the if? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And then the last one. This is the worst one. This is the hardest one. And turn from their wicked ways. Have you ever been around someone who, some of y'all have heard me use this example before. I'm going to pick on Connor. Come up here, Connor. Um, he won't have to be socially distanced from me because he's my son. Um, we, live to, we live together. So... Um, Connor can remember this. There's times where I've asked Connor to do some things at the, around the house, and uh, he's forgotten. Is that safe to say, Connor? Yeah. Yeah, he's forgotten. And so um, I'll say, Connor, didn't I tell you? Blah, blah, blah. And he'll go, yeah, Dad, I'm sorry, right? Because he's a good boy like that, and he'll say, I'm sorry. And so he apologizes. And guess what? Nothing changed. You know, and, and, then, <laughs> and then I brought it out again. You know what he said? Sorry. And nothing changed. And so I remember going in by his bed one time and we were getting ready to do prayers and have Bible devotions together. And so we're sitting there and while he was, while we were talking, I took my arm and I whacked him in the leg really hard. And, Con and he goes, ow. I said, did that hurt? He goes, yeah. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you that hard. I'm sorry that hurt you. Some of y'all know this is going, right? 
So then we kept talking. A little while later, I whacked him again. And he goes, ow. And I said, that hurt. He goes, yeah, I'm sorry, Connor. I am sorry. I won't, I'll try not to do that again. I don't want to hurt you, right? Isn't that what I said? You remember this, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And so then a little while later, I whacked him again a third. Now the same spot every time. It hurts after a while. And he goes, ow, why do you keep doing that? I said, Connor, I'm sorry. He goes, you keep saying you're sorry, but you keep doing it. Oh, and we had, we had a little fun, didn't we, Connor? So we talked about repentance. Repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is not just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is turning from my ways, right, Connor? And so Connor keeps the cleanest room around now. It's awesome. I love that about Connor. We give Connor a hand. Turning from our wicked ways. I don't know what God's going to point out in your life, but it's not just going, oh God, I'm sorry, and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Paul tells us in the book of Romans, some of you say, hey man, I've done horrible things, and God can't forgive them. Paul says, I did worse. I killed people. I thought I was doing what God wanted me to do, and I killed God's people. I killed those who were following Christ. But no matter how bad my sin was, God's grace went further and covered it. And so there are some of you that are saying, oh, well, let's keep on sinning then, because then if we sin more, that means more grace. And Paul says, meganoita. What's that word? That's in Greek. May means no. Genoita is a derivation of the word hell. I'll let you put those two words together and figure out what Paul's saying. Should we go on sinning so that grace may more abound? By no means, is what most of our versions of the scripture say. No way. That's ridiculous. Turn. You've got to turn from those ways. Uh, one of my favorite stories with my kids, I'll pick on Liam here. I picked on Connor. When Liam was three, Connor was five, Brooke was seven. Um, Liam had done something and I had caught him doing it, but he didn't know I had caught him doing it. And I waited till we got in the van and Liam's sitting in the second seat, Brooke's beside him and Connor's in the back. Connor and Liam are in their car seats. And um, I asked Liam, Liam, did you do so-and-so? No. I said, really? Are you sure you didn't do that? No, I didn't do it. I said, Liam, I know you did it. No, I didn't do it. So I said, Liam, tell me the truth. I, I didn't do it. So by now, Brooke and Connor both know what's going on. When they were younger, they went through this same sort of thing. They began looking at him. I'll fast forward the story, because by the end, Brooke, Connor was leaning over the back seat with his hands folded. Brooke was turning, turning sideways with her hands folded. And they were going, please, Liam, tell him the truth. Please, he knows, he knows. I know you don't think he knows, but he knows. He knows, and we know you did it. Just tell the truth. And Liam's going, no, no. They said, Liam, you're going to get a spanking. <laughs> you're going to get a spanking for doing the wrong thing. But the lying spanking, that is worse. That is way worse. You do not want the lying spanking. Liam, please, please, just tell him the truth. Liam did not learn from his older brother and sister. So Liam got the spanking, and then Liam got the lying spanking. The lying spanking is worse. What I look at sometimes in our lives is prophets who stand up before the church, they stand up before Israel, they stand up today, and they say, folks, turn, turn. I did not want to spank Liam, but I wanted him to learn a lesson. The prophets are like Brooke 
and Connor, sometimes we read the prophets and think they're mad, they're ticked off, they're waiting for God's wrath. God zap them. And sometimes we are like Jonah and they're that way. But most of the time the prophets are going, please turn. Please repent. Please quit doing what you're doing. The beautiful ending to this story is a few years later, a little boy named Liam came home from school with a certificate. It still hangs on the back of my bedroom door. He taped it up there. He was so proud of it. It said, God's patriots are honest. At the end of the year, Liam got the award for being the honest kid in class. He was going to tell the truth. Why? Because he turned. He didn't just say sorry. He turned. Folks, there's a bunch of people who've made that step, who've taken that turn. Today might be your day to take that turn to say, God, I have not been living the way you want me to. I've been living on my own. I'm tired of life being the way it is. I'm going to live on the other side of that if. Last week, or actually a few weeks ago, uh, 31 people went down to the river or out here underneath the overhang under the baptismal, in the baptismal, and we baptized 31 people who took that step who said, I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face, and I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. And they were washed. They were cleansed. They were made new in Christ. I'm going to ask you if you would to stand. We're going to sing a song. You're going to sing with us, and we're going to celebrate those who have made that turn and are following Christ in new life. How many of you have lived at that place where you're like, well, if, if this happened, you know, then this can happen. If this happens, if only I could get my life straightened out, then, then God would take me back. If I can get these things lined up, if I can get these things in order, let me get this done, then I'll come back. God says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... Here's what's happened. Here's what's going to happen. Here's the second part of the message. This is the other side of the if. Then I will hear from heaven, he says. He hears the prayers of those of us who cry out to him and say, God, I I need you. Uh, In humility, we come before him and say, God, I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need you. When we say that, he hears the cries of a repentant heart. God forgives the sins of a repentant heart. Okay, he says, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins. There may be some of you, we talked a second ago about Paul. I've I've been around people at times who have said to me, Pastor, I don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I've done. God can't forgive me. You're right. I don't know the things that you've done, but I do know that God can forgive you. God knows what you did even before you did it. He knew it while he was on the cross dying for it. He loves you. He cares for you. He says, I will forgive. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins. Remember Paul? Paul, the guy that I talked about a moment ago who killed Christians, killed them, slaughtered them. God forgave him and he became one of the best prophets of God. To God's people. I will hear you and I will forgive you. There may be someone in here today who you watch those people being baptized and you've, you've known what that's about or you've seen it. Uh, you've heard me talking this morning about repentance, about humbling ourselves and coming before God. And, and you're saying today, I, I need that. I need his forgiveness. I've not turned from my ways. I've wanted forgiveness, but I'm not willing to turn. But today I'm ready to turn. 
I'm going to ask you all right now to bow your heads and close your eyes, whether you're in the building, whether you're at home. Uh, would you just echo this prayer with me? If that's something that's going on in your life where you're ready to say, Father, I need, I need your forgiveness. I need your cleansing. I need to turn. If you just pray that right now, if you'll say that in your heart, if you'll say that to him, if you want to pray it out loud, you can pray it out loud right where you are at your house, in your car. Say, Father, forgive me. I'm coming before you. I realize I can't do it without your help. I will bring forgiveness, God says. He will hear you from heaven. God, I pray that you will forgive that person right now. You'll be right there with them, that they will sense uh, your presence with them, that, Lord, they will in their heart feel you, even now beginning to cleanse and change and turn them, that they will move to the other side of that if, that they'll move to the then side where you'll begin to see your blessings. They'll begin to see your healing. They'll begin to see your restoration. God, I thank you for doing what you've promised you would do. I know in your word you've promised if anyone confesses their sins, you are faithful and just to forgive their sins and to cleanse them of everything unrighteous. Father, thank you for doing that even now for our friends. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you join me celebrating those who took that step today? That's an awesome thing. There's one last piece. I'm getting ready to let y'all go. Um, the last thing that, 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 that God says to Solomon is, uh, I will hear the cries of your heart, I will forgive your sin, and I will heal or restore your land. Um, let's face it, our world is not in a great place right now. <laughs> Um, those who come to repent and seek God, though, he brings healing not only to you, but to a nation. God has always chosen to work through what's called a remnant. Uh, you'll read about it in the book of Isaiah. You'll read about it throughout the Old Testament. A remnant just means a small piece. It's a small piece. So he doesn't need everybody to do it. He calls on the remnant. Sometimes we read through the Old Testament and we read about the remnant. Uh, what we begin to think is if I'm part of the remnant, I'm the ones that are good. I'm the ones that are holy. I'm the ones that are better off than everybody else. I'm not like them. I'm good. The remnant is good. The rest of you are bad. If you read through the Old Testament, especially this passage right now, okay, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. He's talking to us. He's not talking to everyone uh, who's not worshiping him today. He's not talking to the people who aren't Christians. He's talking to those of you who claim to be Christians today. You say, yeah, yeah, I, be I believe in Christ. I'm a Christian. He said, then here's what I need from you. I need you to humble yourself and pray and turn from your wicked ways and I'll hear and I'll forgive you and I'll heal your land. I will restore your land. Do you think there's problems in America? Yeah, and so most of us do this. God, be with all those sinners. Be with those crazy people out there. What the world needs is for all those people to turn to you. If all those people would just turn to you, then the world would be a better place. So God, this 10 days, we're gonna pray for repentance. We're gonna pray that people all over the world that don't know you come to know you. That's not at all what this passage is saying. This passage is saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. I talked a moment ago about, you know, I don't like this next 10 days. Because what it's going to mean is God's going to point out some things in me that have to be fixed. 
God may point out some things in you that need to be fixed. What I have found is if I go through this 10 days, if I humble myself and pray and seek his face, I like the then side. I like the restoration. I like the healing that he brings, not only to me, but to others in the world when I begin to live out what he's called me to live. Uh, one of my favorite books is a book called Blue, a book called Blue Like Jazz. It's old, uh, not real old, but like 15 years old. Um, and in the book, Donald Miller writes about being a student on a college campus in Oregon. It was a very liberal college, um, but there was a small group of Christians that started kind of meeting and gathering there. And he said this college had every spring they had this gathering that they would do on campus for a solid week. The administrators basically turned their heads and let people explore and do whatever they wanted to. So people would just pitch tents across campus. And when they would pitch these tents, what they would do is they would just have drugs, alcohol, all kinds of other things that go along with that going on in tents out there all the time. And um, so while this week was coming, uh, Donald gets together with some of his Christian friends and says, I think we should do something uh, that week as well. And they're going, what are we going to do? Everybody's just getting drunk and high and having sex and it's, it's crazy nuts. What are the Christians going to do out there? He said, let's make a confession tent. They're like a confession tent, right? So these people are going to come and confess. Their, they don't even think they're sinning. Why are they going to come confess their sins to us. This is stupid, but okay. So they finally decide what they're going to do it. So they go and they, in the middle of all this stuff, they make this tent and they put a big sign out in front of it that says, confessions, enter here. Yeah, some of you are laughing. You know what's coming. People are driving by going, this is going to be hilarious. We're going to freak these Christians out. They haven't even thought of the things we did this week. We're going to tell them. They don't know what they're going to hear about. So one of the very first guys is a guy who'd kind of been antagonistic to them. He's kind of the, the leader of the, all this debauchery. And so he comes in. Uh, he's dressed up like the Pope. I mean, he's trying to be all crazy funny. And so he goes in and he looks and across the table from him is Donald. And Donald's sitting there and... Um, the guy goes, how's this work? I just tell you all the, all the crazy stuff I did this week and you forgive me or something or what's, what's going to happen? And Donald goes, no, that's not the way this works. And the guy goes, okay, well, what happens? He goes, well, I need to confess to you. Uh, I claim to be a Christian, but I've not been living like a Christian because as a Christian, I would be loving you and I haven't loved you. I've judged you. I've looked at the stuff that you've done. I've prayed that God would do bad things to you because I got mad at you. And I need to confess to you and I need to ask your forgiveness. I look at the things that you're doing and I've joked about you and I've talked about you rather than living out the love of Christ and sharing with you how much he loves you. And as his follower, I should be different. And I should live in such a way that you would see him in me and I've not been doing that. Would you forgive me? And the guy's like, uh, you want me to forgive you? He goes, yeah. Could you do that? Folks, that's what this passage is talking about. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I'm going to ask if you would to stand. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would guide and direct us today. Father, forgive us for where we fall short. Forgive us for where we do not live out 
what you have called us to live. God, there's a world that is dying and hurting. Some of us are moaning the place that our nation is, the place that our world is. But Lord, we know you have told us that if change is going to take place, it doesn't start with all of those people getting saved. It starts with us coming to you and asking you to forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, of our hypocrisy. Forgive us, Lord, for being more judgmental than loving. Forgive us, Lord, for being more self-righteous. than we have been giving. Lord, help us to learn how to humble ourselves before you. Lord, some of us might need to humble ourselves before our family. Some of us might need to humble ourselves before our coworkers. God, I don't know what you're going to ask us to do, but I pray that over these next seven days, you will guide and direct us that living at this place of humility will become a lifestyle. Lord, we know that's the, what the prophets were asking us to do. It wasn't about the day of the Lord coming in judgment and wrath, but Lord, that you want us to turn and repent and follow you so that when you come, we'll be ready for your coming. God, I pray that that would take place not just for us, but so the people that we work with, the people that we live with, the people that we work out with, Lord, they would see a difference in us. That our friends at school would begin to see that we're living a life that's different, that we've given our life to you. All these things, Father, I ask and I pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you if you would turn your eyes to the screen. There's a prayer that's on here. I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. Some of you may want to. Some of you may be scared to, but go ahead and pray it anyway. Starts like this. I think it's going to come up on the screen. Over the next seven days, is it up there yet? Nope. There we go. Just say this prayer with me. Over the next seven days, leading up to the Day of Atonement, I will join with others who are called Christian, and I will humble myself, pray, seek God's face, and turn from my wicked ways. I'm doing this believing that God will hear from heaven, believing God will forgive my sin, and believing God will heal our land. Eight days from now is a day in the Jewish calendar called the Day of Atonement. That's the day when people would come and make sacrifices and healing would take place. It's a day we turn back to God. Part of the reason we're doing this 10 days of fasting that ends on the Day of Atonement. Lots of Jews thought on the Day of Atonement, that's when God's going to come back and take his people back. What we're saying is, whether he comes back or not, we're going to live on the other side of if. Would you join me on the other side of if? Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.